and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And uh, thank you probably for... Probably making a lot of uh, noise with the microphone cord. Micro- uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and thank you for listening. David. They know you're going to say thank you for listening. I know. David. That's, <laughs> that's what I say. We, so. should, we should really just record it once. <laughs> exactly. Who's got the time <laughs> for that five-second opening? Um, so, uh, David, how you doing? My life has been insane lately. It's just today, the day of recording is June 1st. That's right. The end of May brought the end of most of my immediate problems. Okay. But basically, May in general, specifically the last half, but most of May, uh, my life was in complete disarray. Now, why is that, David? Because Teresa and I sort of moved. We've, we definitely moved. We yeah, sort there's of move. no, no question about <laughs> it. But we moved sort of on a whim. Yeah. Uh, like we were, we were, we knew we wanted to move and we were looking at places and then we, we found this place and we were like, oh, this is great. Let's take it. And then like that afternoon we had it and then we realized, oh fuck, well, no, I got to move in here. <laughs> we're yeah. Anything packed or anything ready, you know, to, <laughs> to move in. Uh, so basically, and that was like May 14th or so. And basically we sort of were balancing our, you know, our, our, our work lives and our uh you know very very busy social calendars of course uh, with trying to move it we had two apartments like some of our shit was there and some of our shit was here and then we had to go clean that place up to get our security deposit back which right. we did very well nice yeah uh that, that place is almost ready to move in right now all right not that i recommend it no it was an okay place <laughs> yeah, <what's... laughs> it brought us more than a year of battleship pretension it sure did that, i'm gonna i'm gonna miss the old place i'm i'm interested to see what the acoustics are going to be like uh, in the new place because it's got hardwood floors. Yeah, none of that bullshit carpeting anymore. I, you know, all through every apartment I had when I lived in Chicago, uh, which was every apartment I had, yeah, uh, up until I got here, it was um, it was hardwood floors. And so when we first, uh, well, I guess the one, the our second apartment together, your your bedroom had carpeting. That's right. It but did. yeah, the the rest I didn't have to deal with any of that. Uh, <laughs> and so when we, when we found the place here. It was an, it was a cool place. It was fairly spacious for the money, and we were like, "Oh, cool carpeting! We never had that." Yeah. Holy shit! Within like a month, we 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 knew that carpeting is a pain in the ass. Why I does like carpeting. Like it? I really uh, I enjoy it. But you and you even having a pet because we have two pets, and yeah. I feel like having the two pets. And I have, I have some. I'm somewhat allergic to the pets that I have. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> uh, it just, it was horrible. It just held everything in. It made it hotter. Uh, mm. when when it was hot outside. It was, it got stained and nasty. It's very difficult to clean carpet, whereas it's very easy to clean wood. I suppose my uh, I th- I feel like maybe my uh, my liking of carpet does come from hardwood floors in Chicago. Because by the way, we're now sp- now sponsored by HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> now, David, are you going to flip this apartment? <laughs> um, no, the because uh, you know in Chicago it's like it's raining, it's snowing. You walk, you know, you, when you get home, you got to walk through all that. You get home, you take off your shoes, uh, or maybe you don't want to, you know, or maybe somebody, often me, admittedly, uh-huh. does not take off his shoes because he's wearing very baggy pants. And, oh, man, now my socks are all wet because my pants are wet uh-huh. and my shoes are off. And uh, also, you know, they keep my feet warm. It's cold. Right. And... uh and so, like, you know, there'd be puddles on the wood, and uh-huh. the carpet would just soak that up. But then the carpet's <laughs> going to get stained and mildewy. Whatever. You know, it's fine. I've never had a uh, security deposit refused 
<laughs> but you have a wife, doesn't she uh, get angry that you're leaving? Well, now we live in Chicago, and like, and honestly, you don't really have to worry about the rain and sleet. Did and you snow say now that, that we live in Chicago? I'm sorry, California, uh, right. LA. They both start with C. Right, exactly. Yeah, I Connecticut. Occasionally, I occasionally think that I live in Calcutta. Actually, <laughs> uh, with that old apartment, I under I get it. Because um, <laughs> it was messy and full of leprosy. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, so now, Dave, we got some business to take care of real quick. Do we? Yeah. So first off, thanks to Stephen Reedy for being oh, on the yeah. show. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Thanks to Jimmy Pardo, of course, uh, last week. Um, and uh, I'm David, I'm nervous. We've had a like a three-week break at this point. Listeners know that we record our guest episodes pretty far in advance. Yeah. So, like, we, we, t- we took that break, mo- from my point of view, mostly because of all the shit that was going on in my life. Right. But we nonetheless, we've been sitting like perched atop boxes of, <laughs> of dishes uh, and, yes. and stuff. Or... So I'm worried. I feel like we're going to be a little rusty here. I think maybe we already are. Talking well, about we carpeting. Could... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel I feel smooth. And I'll tell you why. Because we had a little warm up today. That's true. Yes. Yeah. We're uh, going to uh, probably ours go also up... go up first. Probably. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to be on the Paul Goble show again. Yes. Which we've which we've done many times. We're we're probably their favorite. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I bet. So, considering yeah. that, I'll say this: to my knowledge, they've they've only ever had like people that they knew previously on the show. Uh-huh. I think we're the only people that have ever been on that they didn't know uh-huh. before having us on, and uh, and they keep asking us. They back, keep asking so. us back. They like us, David. Yeah, it was good because we talked about Lost. That's right. And uh, I've been with all the busyness and stuff. Uh, I've been a very bad movie nerd. I have not been to the movies or even watched very many DVDs lately, but I've been a, a very loyal TV nerd. Uh, yeah. I can talk at length about the season finales of Lost or CSI or Desperate Housewives. Uh, I'm, I'm finally catching up on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I'm doing what needs to be done in the TV department. I am. I personally am all caught up on Lost, but my wife, Jen, uh, God bless her. I love her. She's awesome. Because here's the deal. Uh-huh. Uh, my, we were at a friend's house, and he owned the first season. And I said, you know what, honey? We've got the first season here. I think you'll like Lost. Let's give it a shot. And she's like, all right, I'll sit through the first season. And she did not like the first season. She just had a hard time. I think she she likes it now. Yeah. But she just had a hard time just accepting all the craziness. Right. You know? I and, can see uh, people of a certain mindset. Yeah. Exactly. And so, But she fought through that because she loves me. And of course, you know, there's that nice, cl- uh, you know, that nice, uh, uh, oh, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Thank you. I was like, I can't think. I remember hanging is in there, but the only phrase I can think of with hang is hang dog, and that's not it. <laughs> but that hang dog ending. Um, <laughs> no, you're talking about the hangover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're just like, oh man. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so with that cliffhanger ending, then she's she's in it yeah, to win it. Yeah, that's and, the uh, opening the hatch. Opening the hatch. That's right. And uh, those were the days. Th- I know. If only, <laughs> if only the losties problems were that simple now. Good lord! You, <laughs> I know. I mean, even uh, even the cliffhanger at the end of season two seems pretty simple. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so now she uh, and we got a new computer, so we're a- we were able to watch seasons two and three on the computer, and uh, and now she's halfway. Would you watch those at Hulu? No, we watch those on abc.com. They have all of season two and three on ABC? One, two, and three, and four. All of them. 
Really? For free. Why did you tell me that? Because now I'm going to start watching them all again. I'm sorry. Oh, and man. it is interesting to go back and, and rewatch everything, knowing where certain characters are going to end up and all that. So it's really interesting. And uh, But I've been... But because I've been watching season four myself and then going back and watching two, three, and four with her, it's just been a lot. Like the last five weeks, I've just been inundated with Lost and I need, I haven't been watching any movies either. Last one, the last recent movie I saw was Iron Man. Sorry, I'm still thinking about the, you know what I'm going to do? What I are you going to do? Because we got a while until the second, until uh, the fifth season starts. That's right. I think what I'm going to try and do is watch Lost within the time frame on the island. Like, watch the first four seasons take place over 108 days. Over yeah. the next 108 days, I'm going to watch all four seasons. 108. Whoa. Yeah, that's... Uh, lost spoilers. Yeah. Anyone cares? No, you, you know what? We're not, a, we're not a TV podcast. Let's not do lost spoilers. Right, right. I mean, if you if you want to deal with lost spoilers, then go and listen to us on the Paul Goebel show. Yeah. It'll probably be up later this week. It was a lot of fun, and we spoiled the hell out of that finale. Yeah. So, okay, no lost spoilers. Um so. But you know what I did see, actually, speaking of uh, movies in the theater, uh, and speaking of summer blockbusters, I saw the first summer blockbuster. I saw Jaws. It was shown at uh, the Arclight in Sherman Oaks. And, yeah, I haven't uh, been to that Arclight. It's nice. It's nice. I like it a lot. And uh, it was the first time I ever saw Jaws on uh, the big screen. Hmm. And as I believe I told you right afterwards, I have seen Jaws probably 40 or 50 times. Right. Um, and... On a fair, you know, my TV is fairly large, and I've seen it on your TV, which is also pretty big. And it's just like, and yet somehow seeing it on the big screen, we didn't. It's not like I was in the front row either. I mean, really, as far as perspective goes, the screen probably wasn't any bigger than my TV now, from where I was sitting. And uh, okay, like when you think about it, do you sit right up at your TV? No. Okay. But like, I mean, like as far as like if you were to if you if life was two dimensional. Right, but it's the not. screen. I know, but if it was, <laughs> I was far. You're saying if someone uh, took a picture from behind you, it would look about the same. Honestly, yes. <laughs> okay. at that, but but also, it's just like I was far enough away from the screen that one could say, like, well, what's the difference between sitting, you know, six or seven feet away at your home and fifty or sixty feet away in the movie theater if it okay. looks kind of the same? And yet somehow. I noticed so much more stuff in uh, in the theater. And this is a movie I've seen, as I said, 40, 50 times. And so it really, having now seen Citizen Kane on the big screen and Jaws, I now realize that, you know what, I need to... If a movie that I love is being shown on a big screen, I, I'm going to see it. I want to try and see it now. Yeah. Because I feel like that's how they were meant to be seen. Yeah. And so I want to try and do that if I can. Yeah, I, w- I recently saw, um, fairly recently... Um, Saw Lone Star at the at the Egyptian, oh, awesome. uh, not not the Egyptian at the Arrow in Santa Monica, and I I love that movie. Yeah, it's great, and I mean, there's a lot of and you know, part of me thinks like, well, you know, there's a lot of movies that I want to see in the theater, but at the same time, part of me is like, well, you know, you know, like the Wild Bunch is going to be playing sometime soon. It may have played already. I think it might have actually. Damn, that's unfortunate. But or just in general, like this week, like. It was cool seeing Jaws with a theater full of people that wanted to see Jaws. They already yeah. knew what they were going to get. Um, except oh, yeah. that I saw 
I think I might have talked about it. I saw Funny Games in a theater a few months back. Oh my gosh! And I've seen that as many times as I could stomach. I mean, exactly, in yeah. In the past, but yeah, that's a great movie to see with an audience. I'm talking, of course, about the 1997 Funny Games. Right. If I was bragging that I saw the new Funny Games in the theater, that would be yeah, that would be weird. But uh, no, it was it was fun to like hear people's reactions and. <coughs> There is this. There was this, though. And I remember you told me a story a long time ago. And I don't know if we've ever told it on the podcast, but it's it, your story. I've told it to other people before because, it, to me, it's a really good example of something that I don't really care for in the film lovers community. Uh-huh. And it showed up in Jaws as well, where people will – I don't know if they're – I don't think they're necessarily forcing a laugh – but people right. will let out a little laugh, a little chuckle of recognition when something that is not funny, something that does not deserve a laugh. Right. Something saying, on screen. Oh, this part's coming. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, I, be, I believe you were in a film noir class and Peter Lorre showed up on screen not doing anything particularly funny. Is that my story? I think that's the story. I was going to talk about when I saw, uh, with uh, our, our friend Mark, I went and saw This is Spinal Tap. Okay. And that was the worst. The, the worst. Everyone thought they knew the movie better than everybody else okay. in that theater. That it, was, uh, it was a shame because that's a great movie and it was fun seeing it at the, right. at the Tivoli in St. Louis. But yeah, that's, my, that's, that's what I, the story that I went to. I don't oh, know. okay. Because I remember you told me that you were in uh, some film noir class and, you, and Peter Lorre showed up on screen and just it was the moment he showed up and he wasn't doing anything funny and right. one guy in your film noir class was like, nah. And it's like, yeah, okay. We all know who Peter Lorre is. Yeah, you're is. in film school. Exactly. We, yeah, you all and, know who Peter Lorre is. You know, and, it's, and in the theater, you heard a couple people, and part of me is like, yeah, and I had the same thought where it's like, oh, I love this part, but I didn't vocalize it because I'm in a theater full of people that have yeah. seen this. I can't, I can't like, be like, no, I know it's coming. Yeah. You know, because everyone does. Yeah, and but it's those just, people don't think like that. Right. right. And so I just, it kind of instinctively frustrated me and like little things where somebody down the aisle from me like the scene where uh they're in the hospital after uh brody's boy is in shock and the mayor is smoking a cigarette and somebody down the aisle from me is just like it's like smoking in a hospital that's <laughs> awesome and i'm like yeah it was 1975 all right you, you don't need to vocalize this it's ridiculous let's just move on but uh anyway well let's move on i agree not to the topic though no, not at all. Because um, <coughs> tonight that we're recording June first, this will go up tonight. That's uh, right. Is uh, the uh, all the movie fans look forward to it? It's the biggest night of the year. Now it's the MTV Movie Awards tonight. Now, when you say movie fans, you mean like real movie fans, not like movie uh, snobs or elitist. <laughs> you mean people that just like movies. Hey, I guess so. Yeah, and people who. Apparently, like Mike Myers, which yeah, I would have thought that there were very few of those left. Yeah, there's. I I thought like the Mike Myers Apologist Club was just you know getting smaller and smaller. But I literally wondered like the main viewing audience for MTV. Yeah, how much do they? How much are they even aware of Mike Myers? You, you know, I mean, because if they're I, maybe maybe the MTV viewing viewers are older than I think they are, but I think of them as being 13, 14, 15-year-olds. I think and, it might go up to 18, but I'm not sure if it would go further than that. Okay. But if, if, you're, if you're 15, Austin Powers and Goldmember came out, what, when you were 9? How long has it been? When did that movie come out? 2003? Uh, or 2002? Three, three or four, I think. Oh, three or four. So th- you'd be 10 or 11 when that movie came out. Like that's, yeah. And that's the last... I mean, I guess he's the voice of Shrek and everything, but like... 
it's not like he's hosting it in 1997, you know, right. when there's been two Wayne's World movies and Austin Powers has just come out and yeah. he's actually and he's actually still funny. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange that they got him as I mean, the it's host. Clearly because of the Love Guru, it's just it's right. just a big uh ad for the Love Guru, but Which seems a little shameless. Yeah, and, and but I mean, why why does he have enough pull to be like, I'll host the MTV Movie Awards. I'll make it a big commercial for. I mean, why not get some? Don't if you're MTV and you're looking for ratings, aren't you gonna go with? Uh, I don't know who are you gonna go with. I don't know. Let's Jonah see. Hill. Jo- yeah. Yes. Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah or Seth Rogen. You yeah, know, yeah. Somebody people who are funny and popular now. Yeah. As opposed to, I mean, fucking Mike Meyer. I mean, like literally at. For a while there, after Wayne's World, it was weird. Like Mike Myers became very successful, and Danny Carvey sort of his career sort of petered out. Yeah. Now I think to the average thirteen or fourteen year old, what's the difference? Mike Myers and Danny Carvey. Right. I mean, it's just you know maybe you know maybe you could get like Will Ferrell to do it, or maybe even Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is still a little bit relevant, and he's got a new movie coming out. And yeah, he's still a box office draw. Whereas I don't think the Love Guru is going to do very well. No. Uh, But like. And my my problem with the MTV well, there's a lot of problems to have with the MTV Movie uh-huh. Awards, but mine except for the fact that they have a best villain category, it, which is a great category. Yeah. It's one that the Oscars couldn't possibly have because that's that's what supporting actor is for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what got me? I was driving in uh, Hollywood and I was driving on uh, Highland, and there's a big. Uh, it's not really a billboard. It's something stuck to the side of a building, um, and uh, and they're. Um, I guess their tagline, their slogan for this year's MTV Movie Awards. David is shaking his head already, knowing what's yeah. coming. Uh, it says the MTV, the 2008 MTV Movie Awards, featuring the movies you actually saw. Yeah, and that of course is a reference to the fact that you know, aside from Juno, like at the Oscars this year, like none of the top movies did very well at the box office. Yeah. You know, and so it's almost like I can, I can barely verbalize wh- how. It, furious that thinking makes me like what like when you hear that like what do you think david i think that it's uh it's it's a it's just another example of the trend of anti-intellectualism that has resulted in such things as the election and re-election of george w bush (laughs) okay well we could go that direction if you want but but it's the same it's it's the same viewpoint just the people who say you know like I'm sorry, but like Bill Clinton staffed his White House and his administration with like experts and people like Warren Christopher, who uh, essentially the 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 right and like the especially the radio talk radio conservative right like would label them eggheads like this yeah. is a fucking second grade playground, you know. That's who we we need the smart people yeah. to run in the country, and we need to celebrate smart movies. You know, the, these dumb movies that people everybody actually saw, they're gonna get made anyway. You know, right. and they don't need any any more pats on the back. You know, it's not gonna, it, it's nothing. It's not gonna bring more people. It's not, more people are not gonna go see Semi Pro because it's nominated for Best Afro or whatever. Right. You know? It's it's there, there's no point to it. Now, actually, when I first it, you know, it's weird that I that I kind of made fun of the fact that you went, you instantly went somewhere political with it because when I first saw it, I thought of something that you told me from the West Wing, where okay. somebody was supposed to go to like an opera or something and instead oh, went to yeah. a baseball game. What's what's the what was the story with that? Well, 
I mean, I'm not going to go. It's from the third season, and uh, Martin Sheen is running against uh, James Brolin. James Brolin. James Brolin is a George W. Bush stand-in. No, yeah. There's not a lot of secrets about that. <laughs> and they're supposed to both be at this opera, or this, I mean, it was just a musical. I think it was an opera. And uh, James Brolin, like, canceled at the last minute to go to a baseball game instead because that's how real Americans get their entertainment. And he, like, later in the episode, he, like, repeats that talking point to Martin Sheen. And he, and Martin Sheen, at first, he just, like, dismisses it. He's like, yeah, I heard that. And he's like, no, wait. He, like, stops and gives him a speech. Like, you know, the... Because, and this is true, there's a player for... I'm not a big baseball guy, so I think it's the Yankees. But there's a player for... There's like a classically classically trained guitarist who plays baseball for a pro sports team. You know yeah. that's true, and he's saying, you know, why can't why can't it be both? Why do you have to separate that real Americans like dumb stuff or not dumb, stuff, but anti not intellectual stuff, right? And to be an intellectual is somehow anti-American or that 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 seeking to better yourself intellectually is yeah. American. I mean, it just everything about the MTV Movie Awards. Like, I believe there was a time. I just said I wasn't going to do a big like description of the West Wing episode, and I just did. Uh, that so. was fine. I asked you to, and that's kind of what I was thinking of is just literally like just kind of making like just kind of drawing a line and saying like, all right, yeah, these. It's like the Oscars are about these stupid intellectual smart movies. Whatever. You didn't see them. Neither did I. We went and saw Transformers while yeah. these morons were off seeing No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is. More like... I don't think those movies were out at the same time. Uh, probably not, but uh, whatever. <laughs> we were renting Transformers and watching it for the third time <laughs> yeah. while this moron was seeing No Country for Old Men. But, like, you know, it's... Here, listen to this. Like the, first, like, the first few years of the MTV Movie Awards, I think one of those years it was hosted by Dennis Miller. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, just... yeah. Like they were just there at for at the time they were trying to be like kind of hip yeah. and trendy and kind of you know that kind of cynical cool and now they've just gone so far now it's just like I can't even describe what the MTV Movie Awards are now and one thing that bothers me anybody there's probably some people who are like like Tyler you know you love Superbad and that's nominated for more than anything else but I will say this I compare that to like. <clears throat> Everybody knows that I am a Christian, and there are certain things that I will say that I feel like, uh, let's say the Grand Wizard of the KKK, he will also say them. But we believe, it's like, and we may <laughs> both believe it, but he, is, but he believes it for a very different reason, or he may implement it in a very different way. The reason I like Superbad is probably not the same reason that the nominating committee of the MTV Movie Awards likes it. And well, it's, let's be... The the reason the nominating committee likes it is because it made enough money. Well, I guess there is that, <laughs> yeah. yes. But uh yeah, I just I I hate the attitude. It's almost like it's like some book it's like some award show that's supposed to like be for books and then somebody and like they have the attitude it's just like, Well look, nobody reads books, so let's just start uh, honoring Maxim. Yeah. Like it, I don't know, it's just <laughs> It's like, well, what, can't we just nominate like really good books? Because that's what we're supposed to be. It's like, whatever. Nobody reads books. Maxim. Yeah. That's what we. It's. It bothers me. Like I said, it bothers me so much that I've been talking a lot, and I still feel like I cannot verbalize exactly just the mentality behind it because yeah. I don't understand it. Like, 
should what? should they try and challenge their viewers? I've, to... I've always wondered, like, what business does MTV have giving out movie awards anyway? Well, yeah, exactly. You Video know? music awards, maybe. Yeah, the fucking. I mean the 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 Golf Channel is not giving out Pulitzers, <laughs> you know. Although, quite frankly, if the Golf Channel did, I would probably watch that award show. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just uh, you know, and and. What gets me is, like, maybe, just maybe, if some of the really great movies that came out in 2007, maybe if they were nominated for some MTV Movie Awards, maybe some of those, maybe some of the audience actually would go see those. But, of course, that's that's neither here nor there. So, sorry, everybody, for going off on that diatribe. It just... yeah, bothers me so much every time I drive by it. We've gone like almost like half the episode. And oh my gosh! To the topic yet? So let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. Uh, this is a, a listener suggest, suggest, suggested topic. Uh, yes, it is. With my craziness and stuff, we didn't have time to come up with anything. So two days ago, we were like, "Let's fire up the old email and see what some <laughs> listeners have suggested." So uh, uh, this is a guy named Joseph. He that's right. Um, he recommended that we we talk about movies about working. Like yeah, movies about people with jobs and yeah and 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 movies about their jobs yeah and uh i thought that was a fascinating topic i agree yeah it's and really my problem is though okay it's i still think it's a fascinating topic but i i realized in uh in in doing a little bit of research there weren't there are far more movies about white collar work office work you know yeah which can be i mean that's anyway i'll get to this later there are there are not as many movies about the about the blue collar worker or at least about just just his job you know yeah. and like i mean even like mike lee makes movies about people who like working class type of people yeah but it's not about the process of their job right you know uh and i think the first movie that leapt to mind oddly enough because you think of this as a white collar movie is wall street yeah but mostly because of martin sheen's character was uh, i just I guess because you and I come from different uh, like influences, because your your dad was an office worker, yeah, and and my dad was a mechanic, yeah, uh, and I I'm not, I don't mean to impl- I'm not going to like be uh, you know James Brolin here and say that there's like some difference <laughs> because there's just as much uh, a, a toil and honor in, uh, in 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 office work, yeah, but I Wall Street was probably one of the first R-rated movies I ever saw, which is weird. It wasn't Good like, for you. it wasn't Terminator 2 or anything. It's <laughs> like, you know, I, I saw Wall Street and I responded so strongly to Martin Sheen's character. He reminded me so much of my dad. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, that, that, that was literally when I read uh, Joseph's uh, email and we decided to do this, that was the first movie that came to mind. You know, and it's interesting because, <laughs> because I, I feel like much the same only because my dad he worked for uh sorry everybody worked for oil companies he worked for <laughs> Texco oil uh and then after 23 years uh absolutely hated everything they stood for and quit and worked yeah. construction for one summer and then got and then started working at uh at an electric company that's but, badass that's yeah it's it it's one of those moments where i'm just like wow my dad uh He's pretty cool. Yeah. Good for him. Like, and it was, and I think it really does say something that like when he would come, when he would come home, he was working a road crew in Missouri in the summer. So he uh-huh. would come home, quite frankly, reeking. 
<laughs> you know, as anybody would. And he's just sweat pouring down his forehead. And yet somehow that was like when he was at his happiest. So when and my dad tended to like movies. I mean, I mentioned this, you know, when we talked about Glengarry Glen Ross a long time ago. My dad tended to like movies about kind of somewhat white collar jobs or, or jobs that offer just so much money and all that, uh-huh. but just show that it's like, yeah, these things, they'll give you a lot of money, but they are going to require so much of you, maybe not necessarily physically, but emotionally and yeah. mentally and, and all that. And he, he loved movies like that, uh, that feet that had that as a theme. And I think he kind of passed that along to me. And so Speaking of, I remember there were several times when I would like go to my dad's office and like help him organize things, you know, uh-huh. and he'd like, he'd be like, all right, here's 20 bucks and you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, while I was there, like I would sometimes go and, you know, go to the vending machine, go to the little vending machine area and see coworkers interacting. And so when we talked about, you know, you first thought of Martin Sheen, I thought of Bill Lumberg <laughs> from Office Space because that movie gets it so it's, it's satirical of course right it gets it so right i mean just that i mean i just saw these two office workers very casually but just i mean everything they said was so superficial so it was clear it's like i'm only talking to you because you happen to be here i would never associate with you in my real life and they were just being so fake with each other because they had to be and it's just uh yeah i feel like office space as far as Movies about working, especially just the soullessness of a white collar job. I think Office Space, you know, gets it completely right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what the I had a segue prepared here, but uh, you talk about people who don't. I mean, you're talking about people who are they go to their jobs, but they're not people that they would associate with. Right. Their job is. Uh, I mean, in that in that case, they're okay. Your job is not your life, and that's often treated. Right. Uh, I mean that's that's a that's a topic with Office Space and a lot of movies. I yeah. Mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, are about Schmidt. Like people oh, yeah. define themselves by their job. Uh, in my, that's why this this here's a movie that's not really about working, but that that part that part of it really uh, impresses me is American Splendor. Oh because yeah. Because he has this pretty like boring, mindless job. Yeah. But he has no objections to it. Yeah. He just he just does it. And that he goes in, he puts in his eight hours a day, and that gives him the uh, the money and the freedom to do to live the rest of his life. And, and in fact, there's there's one little moment where he like wakes up in a sudden panic and then like calms down, saying, "I got a job." I, <laughs> like he just he's you know he's terrified that he w- doesn't have one, and of course you know economy being what it is and all that. Like I'm sure that's. People would love to have a file clerk job yeah. that you know they that they can just mentally check out at. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, that's that's a really good example. And you know, it's interesting. I I do love movies about people working much the same way as I like movies featuring scenes where people are eating, because mm-hmm. I I tend to like movies that are based very much in reality. And in reality, people got to eat, people yeah. got to work, and. And it's weird because when I think of movies that just show the general attitude that somebody has while they're working, you know, dealing with their coworkers who they, like I said, probably may not get along with in real life, but they're just kind of making a go of it because they have to. And just who knows what, like the movies that get it the most right are oddly enough, like I wrote down Alien. Oh, that's a good idea. I feel like those are a bunch of very blue collar workers. 
and you really get the impression they don't like each other, but they'll get along because they've got a they've got a job to do. Yeah. Um, and the other one is Pulp Fiction. Just the conversation happening between oh, right. John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. It's the kind of conversation I would have, you know, I would have when I worked at Blockbuster. It's just yeah. a conversation that really means nothing and accomplishes nothing. Right. But you got to pat- be with this person for right. this amount of time. So, yeah. Got to shoot the shit. And uh, so, like, it just struck me as weird. I mean, you know, the... It's weird that the dialogue from Pulp Fiction is much the same as like the dialogue from Clerks, and yet these two guys are hitmen, and these two guys work at a convenience store. You know, I mean, yeah. And I feel like lately I've, I may have given the impression that I've been coming down pretty hard on Tarantino, but of course he is great with dialogue when he when he's on. Right. Nobody's better, and I feel like their interactions in pulp fiction oh and there's there's another one when they're eating breakfast and talking right. i love that too um yeah speaking of clerks i i wrote it down yeah because it's i mean it's i used to love clerks so much and i haven't revisited it lately yeah. i i feel like i would i feel like i probably wouldn't like it as much as i as i used to you certainly wouldn't like it as much as you used to i'll say that uh and when i when i say used to i mean like ninth grade you yeah. know uh, because it's it's supposed to be about what it's like to to work. You know, when I when I first saw it, I had never worked in a video store. Or right. I've still never worked in a convenience store, but uh, it's not it's not like that, really. No, it's, not really. I mean, obviously, there's not people coming in and dying with boners in the bathroom and stuff like that. Right. But I mean, the 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 relation the relationship between the clerks and the customers in in that movie is is really cynical mm-hmm. and not with any good reason uh you know i mean i've worked all kinds of retail and yeah customers can be annoying yeah but that that movie is pretending to speak to the heart of something you know of being like a 90s slacker you know, right. young adult with a nowhere job type of thing. And it's, it's just posturing. Although it does have, this is, that's the thing. Like I watch it now and I look back, I'm like, you know what? Yes. Ninth grade, 10th grade me loves this movie. Mm-hmm. And I can't, but the thing is I can't write it off completely because some of the dialogue is so, just so incredibly well written. Um, but it does have a little bit at the end where Jeff Anderson, Randall, uh, talks about yeah. it's like you know we act as if we're so superior, but look, I mean it's it kind of I don't think it fully realizes what it's trying to say, but it at least acknowledges it acknowledges that it's like you know what like it's weird it's like this is the only way that we can make ourselves feel better about this horrible job that we have yeah and is I don't to like make that people, either okay because to me if you have a job. And you work at it, and you do a good job. There's honor in that. Yeah. And so I don't like I don't like either thing. I don't like this over superiority. Yeah. But I also don't like this. You know, oh, a fucking monkey could do our job. Right. I, no, it's it's a job. It's 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 part of being American. Is I mean, obviously, people in other countries have jobs. Yeah. But I think like the honor of working is something that's. That's really American. Yeah. And so, and as as a patriot, I don't like that speech. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it bothers me because 
you're doing a service. Someone has to work at these convenience stores. Right. You know, just don't be a prick to the customers. It's not because they're better than you because they don't work your job, but you're not better than them because they're shopping at your store. Right. Fucking, it's just a job. And yeah, uh, it, that that movie really bothers me. Uh, more the more the more I think about it now. I'll uh, I own it, and uh, I haven't watched it in a while. I bought it used somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll lend it to you, and okay. let you let me know what you uh, what you think. Though it sounds like you remember it fairly well. I probably watched it twice a week when oh, I was okay. in eighth and ninth grade. I really liked it then. Yeah. Uh, but okay, I want okay, speaking of um American being American and jobs, I wanted to talk about Modern Times. Oh, the, okay. The the Chaplin movie. Because, uh, and that's what that movie's about, like the sort of factorization of of America. And I feel like because at the time of the industrial revolution, uh America itself was still so young. Yeah. It's become more a part of our identity. Obviously, the Industrial Revolution happened all over the Western world. Right. You know, but it's... uh, That movie, Modern Times, what it's talking about is because we're such a young country, it's so much more a part of our our identity. Yeah. uh, I mean... And maybe this is just my bias or my point of view because I have never lived anywhere near farms yeah but i feel like uh, i mean far- farming is often portrayed as like american but it feels just uh in a, a rustic in a more general sense to me whereas yeah. going to a factory every day feels feels very american to me hmm yeah to me like when i think of like <coughs> when i think of like a really just truly american job I do think of something, oddly enough, I th- okay, in Chicago, on Clark, uh, just north of Berwyn, there is a shoe store. It's where I bought these shoes right here, David. And uh, these shoe salesmen, they've got their sleeves rolled up. They're like Shelley Levine. They're like Gil from uh-huh. The Simpsons. And they're all like that. It's like an entire, an entire store of Gil. Yeah, and it's just, and I look at the, it's like these are guys just looking to sell a shoe, you know? They're, te- it's like they're convincing you, it's like, oh, you know what, you should probably get a loafer too, and I have loafers as well, and just, I don't know why, because I don't, lo- I loaf in socks, but, um, <laughs> but it's just, uh, like that's oddly enough, that's what I think of when I think of like an American job is like, where, like you wear a tie, but it's not the kind of job where you're gonna make a whole lot of money. I don't yeah. know. For some reason, I think of like oh, Glengarry yeah, Glen Ross good. or something like that. You know what else I think of? Probably because it's my favorite movie, but but Barton Fink. Because that's Charlie another Meadows. movie. Even though you don't see Charlie Meadows' work, yeah, you see the artist work, yeah. Uh, but that's <laughs> that's a movie that's almost sort of like uh, uh, relates to that speech in Clerks because it's almost saying like it, it's it's implying that perhaps just having a regular job yeah. and being a regular guy is more honorable yeah. than being an artist, or yeah. at least not less honorable. Yeah. You know? And uh, that's probably another thing that's always spoken to me about that movie, uh, because I think for someone for someone like me or you who uh, grows up with aspirations that are not, not blue-collar or white-collar, they're more creative or, yeah. or just more, I don't know, uh, cosmopolitan. I don't know. <laughs> hmm, we, okay. have, we have to move to big city, like yeah. big cities and, and, you know, and, and uh, uh, there, 
I, I guess there could be. I can see someone. I can see there being an, an embarrassment attached to coming from working class, uh, hmm. for other people. But there, there never was for me. I never felt like, oh, you know, my my dad's not a fucking architect or journalist or anything like that. I I never felt like I should be embarrassed about the fact that my dad was a mechanic. I was which I was is proud odd of because it. for a long time I felt very embarrassed that I came from an upper middle class family. Really, I felt very like I had to apologize for the fact that we, you know, like if I. If I went to a friend, if I went to a friend's house and I had cable, you know, I had cable and they didn't, like, right. I would feel embarrassed and feel like I will not bring anything up. I will not talk about my life at all. I just, <laughs> I instinctively, from a young age, just felt like I shouldn't, like, I like, I took the, I took the idea of not bragging and ran with it so far right. that I was yeah. apologizing for it. And yeah, uh, and that, that that's definitely not the right reaction. But the other thing is, to, uh, this is going to get a little bit off to- off topic. But essentially, uh, you know, I didn't grow up poor or anything. We had, right. you know, we we got by just fine. I just yeah. didn't, I, you know, I was usually a generation behind video games and just like little stuff like that. Right. I, I didn't, you know, but I went to high school. Our district encompassed a place. Went to high school with a lot of people who were very well off. I mean, is I mean, not well off enough to go to public school, uh, private private schools, but right? As well off as you can be at a public school. Uh. And they had no perspective. They thought that they were, they would refer to themselves as just middle class, you know. Okay. Which, and I've still met people like this, people who grew up very, very rich, but because, of course, they, you know, you're always going to know, especially if you run in those circles, you're going to know someone who has more money than you. Yeah. So they they think that they, 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 they kid themselves that they, oh, I didn't come from that much money. Right. I hate that. I hate it so much because I have perspective. I know that people were, were richer than me. I know I had a because I going to that school. I could have been the opposite. I could have I could have walked around thinking that I was poor yeah. because I was by the standards of the the people I went to high school with. Like I almost was, uh, but I I have perspective and, and and why can't they? Like I but I had a friend in Chicago. Uh, this is still off topic, but I just want to he he came from money and he knew it. He knew that he was lucky. Yeah. He knew that I didn't come from money. So, like, if we were out, he'd fucking, like, pay for my beers every once in a while. You know, like, just uh, yeah, uh, a, a good guy like that. People just need to have perspective. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. And that's that's why I said, to get back to the to the topic, that's why I said I didn't, I didn't want to, when talking about Wall Street, I didn't want to act like, uh, which is kind of the dilemma, the, the, uh, the standoff that Wall Street kind of sets up, that Ma- what Martin Short does is honorable and what... Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. <laughs> Uh, Martin That's Sheen the does. Wall Street I want to see. Yeah, what Martin Sheen does is honorable, and what obviously what Michael Douglas does is not. But I mean, just yeah. being working in an office office is, is is by its nature more prone to to greed or or, yeah. or just bad values, which I don't I don't think that's true. But uh, just people just need to have the perspective, and people need to just enjoy their jobs and not center their lives around them. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's. Like uh, like in planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, John Candy has this thing where he talks about you know he's like you know I have a motto which is like your work and love your wife, you know and uh, and it's it is weird because speaking as somebody who is currently unemployed and and worked for Blockbuster you know um, <clears throat> while he was married and you know my wife was 
being a photographer and living her dream, uh, <laughs> you know, I was just like, I, I literally felt like I, not that I had no say in the marriage cause Jen was a really awesome wife and would listen to me if I said something, uh-huh. uh, but that I didn't deserve any say in the marriage. Like, I feel like right. my dad always kind of had a, that kind of work ethic. He kind of pushed himself a little too, too hard. And I feel like that was kind of instilled in my brother and I a little bit. And, uh, where literally it's just like, you know, you have this moment where it's, where if like, if you're, if, if some, if somebody is defined by their job, what happens when they don't have one? You know, then all of a sudden, like, I'm not worth anything. Well, this is a perfect segue to a movie that I really okay. wanted to talk about. It's a, a French movie called Time Out from 2001. Oh, I, think. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's, if you, have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's gorgeous. you got to see it. It's basically a movie about a guy who loses his job, and then, uh, but then he doesn't tell his wife, and then every day he just sort of goes through the routine, and he goes yeah. and he finds, like, an office building to just, like, sit in, and it's... Uh, it, it's like I think the box that someone glibly describes it as a ghost story because, hmm. but that's I've been unemployed. Uh, I'm at the moment I am sporadically employed because yeah. I, I work freelance and they don't always fucking need me, uh, and that sucks. Yeah, and so I know what it's like to to work for a while and then not have a job, and it, I guess there's a there's a dichotomy to what I've been saying all the whole episode because I feel passionately about this topic. Yeah, uh, that you. Sh- you shouldn't define your life by your work, but at the same time, there is a great deal of honor in work. Right. So, uh, not having a job to me, you know, doing the I was doing the PA thing where you work for a few months and you don't work, you know, uh, I would immediately, okay, I would usually have like a week of like, all right, I'm going to catch up on TV, like check the DVR, right. you know, rent some movies. And then after that, crippling depression <laughs> uh and that's uh that's another uh, time out was a movie that really uh really spoke to me for those reasons you know and it's it's interesting there was uh several years ago there was a time when i wanted to uh write a book and i wrote a, cu- a few chapters before i realized like oh my gosh this is uh this has suddenly become very beyond me um <laughs> where i wanted to i wanted to examine uh masculinity in film uh-huh. And so, of course, there's going to be a big chapter of uh, about working, you know, because so far every movie we've talked about, I feel like um, I feel like almost not all of them, but almost any movie that deals head on with working, whether it be blue collar or white collar jobs, it's probably going to be told from a male perspective. Yeah. You know, with a couple of exceptions, you know, like nine to five, which I actually haven't seen. Yeah. Work, down- working girl, which I haven't seen. Aaron Brockovich, North Country. I didn't think about Aaron Brockovich. I wrote down some movies, um, uh, Faye Dunaway and Network, even, oh, though, yeah. it's, even though it's a satire. Uh, I mean, that's uh, uh, a, a sexist would say that it's uh, that she's acting masculine in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, th- yeah, I, 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 I like that's one of the many, many things I like about Network is, is that it's uh, is that you have a woman in that role. And it's yeah. not – I mean, I guess for the love affair part, she has to be a woman – or I guess it could be gay, whatever. I'm <laughs> like I'm rambling here, but um, another one. Did you have, have something else you wanted to say? Were you oh no, j- but like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's just I feel like any examination, uh, not any, but most examinations of like in film of like working and what that does to you and defining yourself by work. I feel like they. I feel like it's a predominantly. I, I don't want to speak in in 
absolute terms, I feel like it's a predominantly male trait. Like it makes me wonder, with the exception of somebody like Faye Dunaway in Network or Annette Benning in American Beauty, um, I feel like somebody like Aaron Brockovich, even though I don't care for the movie, like she's able to give her job the proper perspective, whereas like, you know, somebody, you know, like another uh, let's see, let me look at almost, almost any other character, any other male character, even if they have a family, it's all about work, yeah. you know? And, and I feel like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, and I, I'm not like, I don't want to make any broad statements, but I wonder if it's just a male problem, not even just in movies, but just in general of just absolutely defining yourself by work. Uh, I think, I think it's a human problem that has, because of the the patriarchal nature of our society, has okay. mostly afflicted afflicted males. Okay. Uh, speaking of sexism, women in the workplace, I want right. to talk about a movie that I fucking hate. Okay. Uh, which is based on a book that I have no intention of reading. Uh, it's called Disclosure with oh, Moore right. and and Michael Douglas, and it's to me it's a vile movie. Okay, I've not seen it, or and I've not read the book either. Okay, well. Jurassic Park aside, Michael Crichton, I think, is probably kind of a prick. He's, he comes across like a prick to me. Yeah, I do remember, uh, and f- before I say this, I do not want any emails about this, all right? Yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I believe in evolution. So don't get me wrong, all right? <laughs> but in the in the Jurassic Park sequel, he spends literally a chapter. Have you read the sequel, The Lost no. World? He spends an entire chapter, particularly long one too, in which Malcolm just starts defending evolution to another character who incidentally didn't ask uh-huh. uh, and just goes off. And it's basically page after page as if it's one long monologue. Uh-huh. And it's clearly Michael Crichton writing to anybody who would criticize him. And it's just – and it's one of those things I'm just like, good lord, yes, okay, I get it. Well, yeah, he thinks – he he he! I don't know about then, but I know now. He thinks that he's a fucking like political expert on things because yeah. he doesn't believe in global warming, and because he's a celebrity, the Republicans have called him before the Senate a million fucking times to talk about <laughs> global warming, even though there are literally thousands upon thousands of Americans who are more informed to talk about global warming. But because he agrees with them and he's a celebrity, he gets he gets to go to the Senate all the time and talk about his fucking. Uh, thick-headed ideas uh, against global warming. Anyway, disclosure. Yes. Another reason he's a prick is because that's a sexist movie. Uh, it's uh, I, For one thing, I saw it when I was younger, probably too young to have seen it. Uh, I don't know. When did it come out? 94? Okay, so I was like 12. Around there, yeah. I was by my mom's name. Maybe a little later, too young to but, see yeah. it, but uh, absolutely, I was fine. Yes. Uh, and I just thought it was dumb then. But when I, when I think back, it's such an obviously sexist movie because... Uh, it's a an, an ambitious businesswoman, and she turns out to be the the sexual harasser, the predator. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's just she 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 you know because uh, she obviously has a whole story, and people assume that uh, I'm not remembering it very well, but Mike, they assume that Michael Doug- Douglas is the is the harasser. Right. Really, it's her because she's a ball busting bitch or whatever so it's like not only does she want my job she wants my nuts too that uh, that's and here's the thing it's like now if you're going to make a movie about the i you know about the idea of harassment as like 
you know, witch hunt or something like that, where literally you can simply say somebody harassed you and that's kind of enough. If you want to make a movie exploring that theme, you probably could. It'd be a little, it'd be controversial and all that kind of thing. But there's a way to do it without actually making her uh, like, it's like, yes, there is harassment going on, but it's her. Like, yeah, there's a way to do it. Without well, there's another so movie that obvious. I, that I, I don't like, uh, I, don't, I don't agree with, but at least tackles this, uh, the same subject a little more intelligently, and that's Oleana. The, oh, yeah. Uh, it's still, that movie's still a little sexist, yeah. but it uh, definitely gives... But it balances it out by making the male uh, character a total prick. Yeah, and, and, and making the woman a real person. Yeah. Even though it's still kind of a sexist portrayal, because she's, she's, she's a little ditzy, I guess, and she, like, part of the reason that she is mad at Bill Macy. Ah, fuck, why did I do that? I what? hate when people do that. They say Bill Macy. Why did I do that? Why did you do that? It's just like in the back of my head. William H. Macy. Come on, I don't know the guy. Um, anyway, like he uses words like paradigm and she doesn't understand them and so she's uh. mad at him. It's, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so... Uh, Although, did you ever see North Country? No, not yet. Okay. It's really... Okay. Two-thirds of it are great. Okay. And I mean, and that really... I mean, it really, like, describes just, like, you know, the. I mean, because that's a very, it's, she's a friggin' minor. I mean, it's a minor as in. Right, she's, e- she's ER, fully grown. ER, not OR. <laughs> um, and uh, so she's, I mean, it's a very, like, blue-collar job, one that it's a freaking it's a man's job, you know. And so she and, like, the other women are just constantly harassed in horrible ways. Horrific way, like, to the point that I'm just like, damn, looks like I got something new to hate myself for that <laughs> is completely, you know, not my fault. But but I, I don't understand why, I mean, it's, it's Charlize Theron. Yeah. You know, Jennifer Beals is more attractive than Charlize Theron, and no one gave her trouble for being a welder in Flashdance. <laughs> she got along with those guys just fine. I guess so, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I guess you've trumped me. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but it really, I mean, it. I feel like it honestly depicts the kind of harassment because it's not just like, it's not in this movie, it's not just guys going, hey, baby, or anything like that. It's, hey, this guy just jerked off on your clothes uh. in your locker. Like, it's, it's as bad as that. And yet somehow all that, all that horrible stuff that was done still didn't justify the uh, overly self-righteous third act. <laughs> which, is, which is just like a big courtroom scene and it's, oh, it's awful. But, um... But yeah, North Country, I really feel like examines that. I don't, I don't care for Aaron Brockovich for sto- like story reasons and that she is practically a saint. Uh, <laughs> but I do, I do like the idea of just you know she's not being taken seriously, but she shows that she is intelligent. But she's, but it does you know with a couple of exceptions, you know the other men around her are also pretty smart too. You know, like I feel like there are, there are a couple moments in that where it's like, where she's like smarter than her boss. And it's like, uh, you, you mean the middle-aged man played by Albert Finney who couldn't be stupid if you asked him to? Like <laughs> it's it just, I didn't really buy that part, but, uh, but I've had more than a few bosses. I was smarter than what? <laughs> exactly. It's not far fetched. No, I, I know, I know, but you know, an experienced boss. trial lawyer, it's like, and a novice is going to come in and know more than right. he is. Like, it's, it's 
kind of a story convenience. But well, um, I had yeah, I had this section on. Uh, I wrote down a whole section on my on my notes about about women in the workplace, oh, okay. and I wanted to. I don't really have a segue here, but I wanted to briefly talk about the the apartment. Oh with, yeah, with Shirley MacLaine because she, from our contemporary point of view, looking back at that movie, that character is almost like like a martyr to the early struggles of women in the workplace. Yeah. Not that like not, not that full of success has been granted yet because they're right. still making you know. 70 cents to every dollar yeah. that, uh, that that men make. But uh, uh, I guess I, it's just an interesting point of view to see it now. And I, I, I wish I could watch that movie more with 1960s eyes and see. Yeah. What, was her to the average? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure Billy Wilder's a smart guy and he saw it the way I see it, I think, or at least somewhere near that. But to the average moviegoer, was Shirley MacLaine's role in that movie as sad as it is to me now? Or, or, was, it, or was it seen? Or did these people work in offices where there was a girl like that? And. Uh, you know who was who was essentially used and and treated as a uh, you know yeah i mean when i think of that character i think of tragedy i mean i yeah completely i mean but how i mean is how much of, is the apartment a satire or i mean uh, and i maybe maybe i should watch mad men i'm sure that's a i, I know i wish show, but <laughs> i i've heard such great things about it and the first thing one of the first things i thought of is like damn it when like when you came up with this when you said this topic i'm like I wish I'd seen a single episode of Mad Men. But we are a movie podcast, not a right. TV podcast. Uh, which is unfortunate because I wanted to bring up TV sh- uh, some TV shows a little later. I wanted to... Well, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's pretty much all I had to say about The Apartment. It's, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll, I won't know. I'll, I'll never know because I didn't... I wasn't, right. I wasn't a woman working in an office building in 1960. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll never know what, what it was like. But uh, 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 I wonder what, you know, what we see now will... I don't know what I'm saying. Well, no, I'm always uh, I'm frequently uh, thinking along those lines, uh, like social satires now or something like that. Like right. 20, 30, 40 years from now, like are people going to look back on something that you and I view as just very subtle and very, uh, you know, it's just like, hey, we're just uh, showing things how they are. And they look, you know, and 40 years from now, they look back and they're just like, good Lord, <laughs> they beat you over the head with it. It's like. Why don't you just put her on a cross or something? Right. Um, but yeah, it's I'm I'm someday we're gonna do uh, an episode about like just how things, how movies and actors and you know genres now will be viewed in the future. Oh, it's something I'm fascinated by. Well, let me segue into TV for you. Okay, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the show, but um, uh, we you know this whole thing is that you talked about. You like <laughs> movies where people go to work. Yeah, and I want to talk about. Uh, I don't know how many how if, I, if I've really said this on the show, but one of my favorite TV shows that's running right now is Desperate Housewives. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll I'll defend it. You can email don't email Tyler about the other thing, but you can email me about Desperate <laughs> Housewives. I'll debate you if you are one of those people who thinks you're too good for it because it starts chicks or whatever. Uh, and it's a I mean it, it it's a satirical show, so I shouldn't really hold it to any uh, <laughs> any measure of realism. But it does bother me that no one ever goes to work on that show. They have jobs, except, for, of course, for Tom and Lynette. Uh, that's Felicity Huffman and the guy who plays Tom. Uh, they they go to work, and uh, it shows them at work, and some of their problems come from work, and that's great. But, like, Edie, she's a real estate agent. She should be gone most of the Instead, she's sitting around drinking Yeah, that's wine. a hard job. Yeah. It requires she, you to be gone a lot of the time. Yeah, but she's sitting around luring men into her spider web with a glass of wine. But it, I mean, it doesn't, I guess I'm holding it up as an example, but it's not the best one because it's a satirical show and it's kind of okay for that. Yeah. So anyway, what did you want to say about television? 
Uh, I feel like now is a really good time as far as like documentary shows for showing real workers, like real jobs. Like, I mean, on the Discovery Channel alone, you've got Deadliest Catch. Yeah. You've got Verminators. You've got Dirty Jobs. Right. Like the like these are all they really show like it's I'm fascinated because like uh, you watch Dirty Jobs and you're like I didn't even know this was a job I didn't yeah. even know such a thing it's like it's like I I guess I didn't assume that bells were just willed into existence somebody <laughs> has to make them but like and it's just fascinating when you see like a you know you see Mike Rowe go into a factory that employs like you know, 50 people or like a hundred people. It's like the mm-hmm. backbone of the town. And you're just like, man, these whole, these, these people's lives are built around building bells. Yeah. Which, and that's the thing at no point, And this is, this is the smart thing that discovery channel does with all their shows. It never condescends. It never, Mike Rowe, especially never makes fun of these people's jobs. Yeah. You know, in fact, he always, like you can always tell he has a great deal of admiration for these people for just they're just going you know, to work they're just making a living uh, i'm not i don't watch the show regularly but micro has really grown on me i didn't like him at first because i thought he was kind of corny hmm. but it's that part of his personality you're talking about that that yeah. made him grow on me it's the same thing with a, a guy i watch much more often is anthony bourdain like i okay. wish he would like make a f- less jokes because his jokes are uh, kind of obvious and, and bad, yeah. but he has such respect for the people in the place that that's what makes the show watchable. That's what I like about Micro. A little tangent, but yeah, and it's just you know, and then like I just watched that show Verminators. Yeah, you were telling me about it, and it's just uh, it's fascinating because just you know when you think of somebody, it's like oh an exterminator, they go and they kill things, right? And yes, they do, but then you watch and you're like, this job is hard. <laughs> like, and and I I really feel like you could. You could go to any job. I mean, video store clerk, you know, stock boy at a at a grocery store. Any job can seem hard or and interesting. And I think Discovery Channel, I'd say to a slightly lesser extent, uh, National Geographic, which is what America's Port is on. Um, and don't they also have the <laughs> Ice Road Truckers? Is that on National Geographic? Oh, I don't remember. But I and I've never seen the show. I've never seen it either. But I've heard it it's looked, amazing. It looks pretty awesome. Um, just. I don't know. I I it's something that those channels really get. Like now is a really good time for that kind of reality TV where they just realize like you know, Deadliest Catch. I ne- again, I never even knew that was a thing. Uh-huh. And in point of fact, you watch the show and people die during the show. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's it's fascinating and these are people these are just fishermen. You know, yeah. something that seems easy and boring and it's incredibly exciting and life-threatening and it's really yeah, it's it's amazing. I love stuff about working. I mean, it's just when they do it right, you can be fascinated with any job. And as you say, you, you can kind of see the nobility in it. Yeah. And there's I mean, uh, a job is a process and a process is a story. And so there's uh, there's drama inherent in anybody's job because everybody's job is a daily story. Right. On that note, I think that's pretty good. I think we should wrap it up. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, any emails, of course, battleshippretension at hotmail.com. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.